Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I'm very excited that you guys are here with us today. We've got a cool show that I think will be really valuable to a lot of the entrepreneurs out there looking to uh, you know, get, get things off of their plate and grow and scale their business in a way that doesn't cause them feeling like they're going to be burned out. Uh, but before we get into the meat and potatoes, as it were, of today's show, I have to introduce my co-host. The one, the only, the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dean Holland. <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> how you doing, Mr. James? Good. Good. I'm good. I, I think, I don't know what I like more, like just <laughs> announcing you or hearing how excited you get when I announce you. <laughs> it's like the highlight of my week. <laughs> <laughs> Most other people just ignore me. And so for yeah. that brief moment, I, I feel special. Well, you are. You're very. You're a very special part of the show. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, we got uh, we got a really cool show lined up. Uh, Derek yeah. Gallimore, how are you today? Welcome to the show, man. Hi, James. Hi, Dean. Thank you so much. Super excited to be here. Yeah, it's good yeah, to have welcome. you. So, so you are all about outsourcing. You've been an entrepreneur for a really long time. Um, you know, bootstrap businesses seen them collapse, built the, built new ones, like all this stuff. You've got some battle scars, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I've been in business about 20 years and I've been through all of the full range of the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. So I can definitely attest to all of that. What's, uh, what, what would you say is the highest high that you've experienced as an entrepreneur oh, so far? Nice. Yeah. Ooh, Coming a, out strong, Dean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I was actually like just it. thinking about that today. Like, it, it, um, It's a little bit like a, a sport. So nothing is it, it's just some wins you know when you win a when you win a deal or you get a property you know i i when i was 24 i um, started buying properties uh property development and then property investment and uh yeah some of the bigger deals was just electrifying how exciting it was when you you know finally made all the pieces come together uh and you were able to purchase this property or you finally signed on the bottom line or or sold that property again, you know, kind of having those wins is is really quite electrifying, quite exhilarating. So, um, yeah, I, I had my fair share of those. Is there one that stands out in particular? Well, I mean, I, I funnily enough, as you just recalled it this morning, like I, in about 2007, I bought my biggest property, which was pretty big for me as about a 27-year-old. It was about a $3 million property in uh in yep. London. And, you know, it was actually about a month before the entire world crashed, basically, um, which was uh, the financial crisis in about 2008. And um, I'm not sure if Dean can remember, but there was the run on Northern Rock where everyone was on TV waiting outside uh, Northern Rock yeah. to get their money out. Um, and I literally bought that yeah. property about a month before. That was about 18 months in the making, uh, trying to have all those pieces come together. Throughout that period, there was uh, 
kind of highs and lows when you would get accepted or rejected or, you know, a certain point would go through or then at a certain point would get rejected. Um, so little highs and lows. And then you finally bought this thing and it was, it was incredible. It was elation and it was all on. The game was then fully all on, uh, you know, and then again, there's highs and lows after the the whole kind of economic system collapses around it. You had your greatest high and greatest low all within a short period of yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. There was, you know, I mean, I was safe. The building was safe, but it certainly did rock things. And uh, certainly there was a lot to be concerned about in 2008 when the whole uh, financial system was in, was in crisis. Right. So was that the catalyst that kind of got you uh, focused on other things besides property and real estate? Or were you already you know, running other companies besides property investments and stuff like that? Yeah, it was major catalyst then. Um, I was at that stage doing property investing, uh, landlording, you know, that sort of thing. And um, then in 2008, you could no longer refinance and get high leverage and buy new properties. So I certainly had to change what I was doing. And I segued into uh, service departments or corporate housing um, and because of that you know I couldn't buy but there were the synergies there and then within about eight years I had built a uh, portfolio of about 250 properties in central London and, and kind of successfully segued then into my second business which was the corporate housing. Right. Right. Awesome. So how did you get how did you get into what you're doing now which is you know outsourcing services and teaching people how to leverage outsourcing to help them grow their business. Like how did that happen? Yeah. So I, you know, I was scratching my own itch as they say in about 2011, I already had this corporate housing and it was a 24 seven business because you had people in house and you needed customer support. And um, I realized that wasn't accessible in the UK affordably. So someone suggested I went to the Philippines and tried outsourcing. That was 2011. Um, and I never looked back. And I, I tried with one customer service person within about uh, 36 months, I had about uh, 40 or 50 staff in the Philippines. Um, and it started with customer service and sales. But eventually, I built a team up to about 70 people here in Manila, where they were doing everything from sales to marketing to uh, web design, you know, all of the full gambit of operations uh, and even strategy here in Manila. So that was my foray into outsourcing. And then I just saw the, the immense power of outsourcing effectively because, you know, any small and medium-sized business can save 70 to 80% on their staffing costs and have an incredible human resource here in the Philippines um, assisting with their business growth. Yeah. Well, I know um, from personal experience, I had a team in the Philippines for quite a while and uh, the people there were amazing. You know, there's there's obviously like advantages and then pitfalls that you got to be careful for. What what would you say are the biggest things that are the biggest myths that people believe about outsourcing? Oh, there's a lot of those. I would say, I mean, they're amazing people. Uh, I think too many people have read the Four Hour Work Week. Now it's great to bring it to, uh, to into yeah. people's awareness, um, but it isn't necessarily the the one and only bible to you know how to employ people and how to outsource. But it's a great guide. I think one of the myths is you know people either think it, it's quite extreme, it's quite polarized. People either think that outsourcing is going to go wrong, they're going to steal your ID, they're going to do something really bad, or the other extreme is 
you know, they want to pay $2 an hour, um, but they want a fully qualified marketer, salesperson. They want them to build their own website and uh, they don't want to do any training or um, sort of assistance with that. So they, they sort of expect them to be slightly superhuman at $2 an hour or they expect them to kind of steal their ideas. Very, very polarized usually. <laughs> right. So, th- so the the truth must be somewhere in between. So, what what's been your experience with the right way to outsource something? Like, let's say you know people who are listening to the show or running businesses or entrepreneurs making things happen. And they're like, okay, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this a shot. What's the right way to do it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the easiest way is to think of it no different to just general employment, uh, and that means. You know, there is the whole gambit of people here. Uh, it's a country of 100 million people in the Philippines. There's 650,000 university graduates every year. Uh, and there is every profession under the sun in Manila. Manila is a town of uh, 22 million people. And the vast majority of speak people speak English better than than I do. Really just treat it like employment. Whatever job description you are trying to fill, you can fill that equally as well. In the Philippines, in Manila, um, there are incredibly sophisticated outsourcing operations here that can assist you with that process. So it's effectively finding a good person for that job description. And the cherry on the top is that you can save somewhere between 70 and 90% on that salary, which enables you to um, hire a little bit quicker, hire a few more people and help build your business without the daunting concerns and overheads of hiring people in in the west or your own hometown. And what about um and what about managing them once so so is it you know do you think this is good for people who just want some you know short-term projects they're looking for you know somebody on their team for a long period of time um you know what, are there any sort of guidelines in terms of if I'm thinking about outsourcing in the Philippines in particular are there certain types of roles that it's great for and certain ones where I should say, you know, maybe that's just not the right move here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it depends on your business. There's a huge range of jobs that can easily be done. You know, Philippines is fantastic now for uh, accounting, uh, bookkeeping, a lot of the social media and content management, a lot of content writing, um, a lot of sort of lead generation, sales, um, customer service, uh, any sort of support role. Also, getting your websites built. Um, you know, the Philippines is leading the way now in terms of a lot of the creatives. So that's film editing, uh, graphics, a lot of the gaming, you know, whether it's animation. Um, it's really leading the world in terms of those things. A lot of the Hollywood movies are post edited here in uh, the Philippines now. Um, and there's a lot of the animated movies are being made from scratch in the Philippines. So it really is. You know, limited to your imagination. We have clients that are, uh, you know, optimizing Danish satellite dishes for the mobile uh, frequency. They're analyzing them and then uh, tweaking the satellite dishes in space from Manila. Um, and we equally have, uh, you know, highly trained naval sea captains sitting in Manila steering oil tankers out in the ocean from an office desk in Manila. Um, so, you know, it's really limited by your imagination. 
Dean, that reminds me of what you do in your office about the satellite reorientation. <laughs> Funny enough, I was just gazing out the window doing a similar thing just here <laughs> in my office now. <laughs> but you know, you know something that I did just love that you said, Derek, uh, was was in reply to one of the questions there, and that was really just to treat uh, go into the the outsourcing space with the same regard that you would any other employee, because. Um, that, that rings really true with me. So my, my first ever experience of outsourcing many, many, many years ago now when I was younger and dumber than I even am today was I, I, I thought, right, I need a virtual assistant. I'm going to offload all this stuff and life's going to be so much more amazing now. And I looked for this person with all these different skills and could do all these different things. And I thought that from the moment that person begins, all of a sudden, like everything's offloaded and I can just go about my day and never think about it anymore. Um, and that was the stupidest approach ever. I just, for some strange reason, you, you would never think that if, if I employed somebody here in the office, I would know, well, there's going to be a period of time here mm-hmm. where I'm going to have to you know, train them and show them how we do things, why we do it in that way and go through a training process. But for some dumb reason, going into a virtual assistant role with somebody in the Philippines, I didn't even look at it that way. So yeah, that really hits uh, hits a chord with what you just said. Yeah, it, it happens all too often. And and unfortunately, I think then people are quick to, uh, you know, sort of blame outsourcing as a concept if it doesn't work. And, uh, you know, often, um, you know, we're not blaming anyone or anything, but often it's maybe just uh, the client itself themselves where they just need to spend a little bit more time on their processes, mapping out the thoughts and ideas that are in their head, getting it onto paper so that it can be transferred over to their new team members. Yeah, definitely. And, and I remember coming away from that thinking, oh, outsourcing's painful. I might as well just do it myself. But actually, in hindsight now, of course, looking back, it was it was totally on me. And uh, yeah, some key lessons learned. Yeah, it's a whole delegation thing, isn't it? I think we all struggle with that as, as business owners and entrepreneurs, regardless of whether you're outsourcing it overseas or whether it's just, you know, getting those jobs uh, over to someone um, in your own office. So it's, it's something that we're all struggling with every day. Well, I, to- I totally agree. And you know, one of the things I talk about a lot is you got to be clear on the role that you're trying to fill and what does success mm-hmm. look like for in that role. And you know, it's unfair to anybody that you're hiring, whether they're in the office or outsourced in the Philippines or anywhere else, if you just expect them to come in and kind of be mind readers and know what to do and everything. It's just, you know, I think <laughs> that's like management malpractice. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it, it's an art, isn't it? Like, you know, I've been managing people for 20 years and, and it's, it, you can always improve. And there's obviously thousands of books about how to, you know, best manage and um, manage teams and the psychology behind it. And so, yeah, it's certainly a big, big subject that um, certainly I'm no expert in myself, but always trying to improve. So, okay. So let's say we, we, you know, you know, you're bought into the idea of outsourcing and possibly the idea of outsourcing in the Philippines. How do you find the people? Like, what's the best way to do that? Well, that's why we're here, James. So effectively, you know, there is the, there's sort of two models. There's the Upwork, there's the freelancer, which is the kind of Tim Ferriss, um, which is great, but that really serves a need in terms of project work, in terms of part-time people, in terms of freelancers. Um, If you want to professionalize, if you want to get professionalized outsourcing services, then there's this whole other part of the market, which is kind of called outsourcing or um, BPOs, which is business process outsourcing. Um, And there are about 700 
professionalized companies in the Philippines. We list all of them on our website. Uh, they employ an aggregate of about 1.2 million people. The bigger firms employ about a quarter of a million people across you know, dozens of countries in the world, um, and they are highly professionalized um, professional services firms effectively. And you, know, you can look at them really as staff augmentation uh, services, and you can go along to them with your needs. And depending on the, the, the kind of service blend that they offer, they can basically offer you the facilities, the HR, the recruitment, um, the account management, the oversight of the staff member. They bring on your uh, staff requirements. They can help train them up, give them the facilities and oversight, obviously, and then and then you know you get to work. And usually, we recommend, regardless of how big or small people are, you start with one or two people. You you know get the foundations right. You get comfortable with the people in the process, and then it's just a super super exciting. Like we were talking about before, it's an exciting realization when people realize you know there's these incredible resources out there um and you can now just grow this machine that you've, you've built so it's um yeah it's exciting so so i mean obviously maybe you're a little biased on this because this is the business that you're in but do you think that is uh, a better move for most people getting in touch with one of these uh one of these bpos or one of these recruiting agencies that really helps you find you know identify the role that you're looking for hire the right person for sure, yeah, especially with like the the distance and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's Upwork and Freelancer is is kind of good. I say that very guarded, and and I actually know the founders of Freelancer, and you know they're fantastic. But um, it's a little bit like if you want a lawyer, you would want to go down to Wall Street and find a, a reputable firm to help you out. They don't need to be big or the biggest, but reputable. And whereas Freelancer and Upwork is a little bit like going to Central Park and scratching around in the bushes looking for a guy kind of that's willing to help you out. You know, it's, it's actually how I found Dean, <laughs> just so don't knock that too much. Yeah, that's true. There's, <laughs> Didn't there's some diamonds in the rough, aren't there? <laughs> Every now and then you win. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's um, yeah, it's a world of difference away. And, you know, you realize that when people are in proper facilities, they have to turn up nine to five. They're not working from from home, you know, God knows where, um, and it's a proper professionalized environment, then your returns are 10x. Um, and you're still, including all of these professionalized services and environment, you're still saving, you know, 70, 75% on your total staffing costs. So it's incredible. So even with going through a firm, even with like all of the infrastructure that they need to support in order to make their own business work, you're still saving 70, 80%. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, to get sort of a two to three year postgraduate um, that's obviously been in the workforce in maybe mid 20s, including all fees, including all government contributions, taxes, uh, the, the hardware, the environment, you're looking at around about uh, maybe 1,200 US per month, all in. Um, you know, and this is within a professionalized environment. So um, generally, you're, you know, looking to save five X. That's awesome. So one of the, one of the things that I think, um, might deter people is this whole time zone thing, right? You guys are, you know, for, for us here in the U S or even Dean, you know, in the UK, the time zone, uh, could potentially be a challenge. How do you, how do you deal with that? Is it an issue? Like, when is it an issue? How do you, you know, kind of still 
feel like you've got a team member. Yeah, Dean, I mean, I, that was the question for you, Dean. <laughs> I mean, time zones are a thing, aren't we? I mean, the three of us, we're sitting in three very distinct time zones. You know, it's about uh, whatever it is, uh, 11.30 p.m. for me here. Uh, and the, the world is now very used to that. The Philippines is unfortunately about 12 hours time difference uh, from the U.S. You can't literally get any further um, but the entire industry was built on servicing the U.S. needs. So people here are super used to working night shift, working on 24-7 rotating shifts. Um, it, it's it's just so, so commonplace. And that's actually how and why I started my outsourcing um, was because I needed a 24-7 shift cover. And it was just not achievable within London. Um, and in the Philippines, people jump at the opportunity. People actually enjoy working night shift here. So, so there's a there's a, a large group of people who will work the night shift there so that we have daytime access. Yeah, it's here. crazy. There, there are a whole sort of uh, like business parks in Manila in the Philippines that are just lit up throughout the night. Um, shifts come on, go off, you know, at 4 a.m. in the morning. You can have these almost little cities that are just alive with people. The Starbucks are alive, McDonald's are alive, the coffee shops are alive um, because it's just people's normal work day. And it's really, really incredible to see if people come here. I suggest you just hang out at 4, 4 a.m. in the morning on a Tuesday morning um, and you'll see you know, everyone's just hanging out. It's, it's, it's crazy. That's amazing. So, uh, so you're saying that shouldn't be an issue when done properly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You just, you know, if you are in the U S or in the UK or wherever you are, just set expectations from the start saying, you know, I expect you to be here in my office hours or split shift or, you know, you do or don't work weekends or, um, just set expectations. And that is then the basis on which you hire those people. Can I admit something funny to you? Maybe a little bit embarrassing, you guys. I am. Um, I feel bad to ask people to work the night shift for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, is that common, or am I just I'm like, oh, I feel so awful that you got to stay awake all night because I need you to do things. It, it's it's more it's far more normalized here, you know, and and that's why it's good to have people in a facility instead of at home where they're no doubt sitting in the dark in in sort of less than kind of ideal environments um whereas if it's throughout the night and they're sitting with another sort of 500 people doing the same thing and they go to the tea room and they're having fun with their mm-hmm. friends then it's very very normalized over here yeah i get it and and so like in these environments how do you secure and protect your you know your intellectual property yeah absolutely i mean that's a, a great question um again these people have been doing it 25 years they have some of the biggest names uh, brand names um, firms in the world as clients, you know, whether that's uh, the U.S. Uh, health insurance companies, whether it's U.S. health providers, finance, insurance. Um, and there's a lot of compliance regulations now that are very standardized here in the Philippines. If it's anything to do with any sort of U.S. patient uh, health care, uh, health information, then there's uh, HIPAA compliance protocols. Um, and, you know, some of these, if, if they need to be compliant with that, and some of the facilities are, you know, almost like bank vaults. People can't take mobile phones in there, USBs in there. All the computers are sort of locked down. Um, so, you know, very, very strong, safe environments and all compliant. But just for the normal um, Joe hiring someone, you know, you will just literally build a relationship with your people 
as you would in the US, you know, and there really is no greater exposure to any security risks or data losses um, than there is when working with your standard team. You know, they they effectively just become your team. So the risks are equivalent to someone nicking your stuff sitting in New York. Mm. Yeah, very cool. And how about um, another, another thing that I know might be on people's mind if they've if they're only just looking at outsourcing or virtually, like what what measures are there or what procedures are in place for like the peace of mind side of things? As in, so we as a company not too long ago had an had um, an experience where somebody that was virtual it came to light that they were perhaps only working maybe like one or two mm. hours a day, um, and we hadn't been aware of that for a long time. Um, what, what sort of measures are in place, if any, or what can people do for that peace of mind to know that if I've got somebody that's not in front of me or in the office with me and they're supposed to be working for like eight hours a day, how do I know that's actually yeah. happening? Can I compliment you on the quality <laughs> of your question, Dean? You can okay, indeed. Great Thank question. You. Great question. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's, 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 uh, the risk, it's, it's again, just like managing any other people. And it's about having good sets of deliverables. It's about checking in with those people. You know, again, different management books say you can have weekly kind of catch ups. You maybe have morning meetings. You're saying, what are we going to get done today? Um, it's within project management. Um, but equally, you know, it's just kind of knowing what people are up to. And, and it really varies no different to anyone else sitting in any office in any other town. You know, you can have receptionists that are, that are filing their nails all day, every day. Um, and maybe that's okay. Maybe it's not. Um, you know, again, this is why if people are turning up to a professionalized environment, there's an account manager there, mm. there's sort of friends and colleagues there, then it's just really it's sort of incongruent then if they're not working. Whereas, you know, a lot, you hear a lot of these stories on Upwork and Freelancer and, you know, people that are sort of into this gig economy where they're just taking on more and more gigs. There's low accountability. They're they're about working the kind of system, taking as much advantage of it as they can. Um, and, it, and it just starts in that spiraling thing. I say to people, I give advice to people, if they're in those industries where there's a potential for them also to be freelancing, just be aware of those things. You know, if they're doing video editing or if they're doing creatives or social media management, just be aware that these sort of roles, especially if you have them working from home, it's it's there's a potential that people can be sort of juggling two or three jobs, um, you know, and, and it's really just about setting the right foundations from the start. And again, going into professionalized environments because it just doesn't happen there. It would just be kind of weird. <laughs> but you're but you're saying that in these environments, it's way less likely to have something like that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just sort of encourage people to think, how would it happen at home? You know, you walk into these mm-hmm. offices at home, you realize, you know, the, the main thing that is holding people together is the culture, is their buy-in to what they're heading towards. It's the shared vision of the company. And, you know, if you're in, I don't know, central London, around the water cooler in the morning, you've got your sort of 20 workmates, you're talking about work, you've got combined deliverables. Um, I couldn't imagine one of those people um, going to their desk and then starting six hours working for someone else. It it just wouldn't happen at home. Um, And I equally can't imagine it happening in the Philippines. Um, You know, but if you sort of get a part-time freelancer, then of course, yeah, it can happen because they're, they're into juggling things. Right. Right. That makes sense. 
Um, so tell, tell yeah. us a little bit about your, your particular, you know, way that you've done this and your business over there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So it's, uh, yeah, it's Outsource Accelerator. We are like the trip advisor of outsourcing. So you can go on our website. We've got about 5,000 pages of content. We also do podcasts. Um, we have dozens of videos um, and basically people can it's an environment where people can just learn about outsourcing build their awareness of outsourcing they can browse about 700 outsourcing suppliers um, they can watch interviews with the the founders or owners or executives um, and just generally re, um, learn more about outsourcing and then of course we can help uh advise them with outsourcing. We also do free brokerage. We can connect them with outsourcing suppliers according to their needs. Um, and our fees are um, from free. So, you know, it's certainly incredible um, value. And we're just really about building awareness and, and basically encouraging more and more SMEs, small and medium-sized businesses to explore outsourcing for their business. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah, sounds good. Um, Dean, any, uh, any, any thoughts from your side of the pond before we start wrapping things up here? No, no, it's been, uh, it's been awesome. It's been, uh, it's been interesting listening to you because I think, uh, I've definitely made my fair few, uh, fair share of mistakes in terms of, uh, outsourcing overseas. And, uh, so it's been great to get some insight and I'm, uh, definitely going to be checking out your website. Cause I think, uh, a few bad experiences that ultimately were my fault have probably held me off from doing more of this. And uh, yeah, speaking with you, Derek, today, it's made me think, oh, I need to really but, revisit this stuff. It was my Yeah, goal. don't give up, Dean. And it's, you know, it's about sort of improvement, isn't it? You know, and, and business is, is like, a, like a muscle Definitely. that we're all just kind of working on improving it, I think. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, definitely. And uh, hopefully I can visit your site anyway, because I know with the uh, diverse array of skills over there that hopefully I can replace James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you can find another guy to yeah. give you a hard time on a podcast. Yeah, maybe we need a new section, podcasting. We should. Uh, yeah, that's right. Podcast co-host replacement. Future of outsourcing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, uh, Derek, it's awesome having you on the show. For those of you guys who want to uh, check out all of the content and uh, advice and everything that Derek and his company have to offer, just go to outsourceaccelerator.com. That's correct. Yeah, right, Derek? absolutely. Outsourceaccelerator.com. Yeah, awesome. Go to outsourceaccelerator.com. I've uh, I've been checking out the site uh, both before the show and while we were talking, and there is a ton of great information there on how to set things up right, how to find the right person, not make the mistakes. In fact, I think there's a download that says, don't be like Dean, do it the right way, um, which I think was very <laughs> right. intuitive of you, Derek. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's the first thing that attracted my attention. I was like, well, if if I can avoid that, that'd be great. So, uh, <laughs> well, thank you again, Derek. Uh, to our listeners, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. Make sure you check out outsourceaccelerator.com. And this is James P. Friel signing off for another episode of Just Tips. We will talk with you guys next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.